whoever they're looking at is not me. I don't look the same. I don't think the same. I am not the same person. And I've been able to kind of separate myself from that. And doing so has given me my my individuality and my identity back to, to an extent. And it's made me comfortable enough to talk about things and to kind of be confident enough to move on and make a career doing things that I'm proud of and creating a life for myself. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of High Low with Emirata. Today we have on Mia Khalifa. This is a woman I admire so much. She was one of the first people I had in mind for coming on the podcast because her story, her career, and how she's taking control over her image and her body is something I really respect. And I'm very excited to have her on today to talk about so many things. So please welcome Mia Khalifa. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. I'm so excited you're here, Mia Me Khalifa. Too. Honestly, when I first knew I was doing a podcast, you were one of the first names that I had. And so when you responded to my DM, I was so happy. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for coming in Thank to you High for Low. Inviting me. I'm so happy to be here. Where do we even start? I have so much to talk to you about. It's crazy. I want to talk about the following you've built. You have an amazing business. You have mastered the internet and turned it into your bit. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I feel like I get bitch slapped by my bitch quite often, if that's what we're calling well, it. Well, <laughs> what I love about how, what you've done is you dominate and then you they try to, there's a lot of Oh, it's of always verse. an ebb and flow. You got to take your loss. You got, no, you got to roll with the punches. Yeah. You are going to get punched. You got to roll with it. Yeah, but you've managed to capitalize on it and built a life and a career. You have 30 million followers on TikTok now. Yeah. That's crazy. Aren't you one of the largest OnlyFans accounts? Yes, I believe so. It tells me that when I when I log in, but I don't That's know how cool. accurate that is. I believe it. I mean, I feel like well, I just don't know how many it's in a pool of. Right. But yes, I I feel like I feel like I might be up there. And you have thirty million Instagram followers, and your Twitter's popping too. My Twitter is. I like Twitter the most. I'm not gonna lie. Really? Yeah. Talk to me about why you like Twitter the most. It's my news source. So I. It's the first thing I open every day. I go to the news trending tab. It's the quickest and. I mean, if depending on which account, it's it's where the sources are usually coming from, especially when it comes to to like Middle East politics. It's their lifeline and and their their only like kind of access to the rest of the world. It's great that you brought that up because one of the things I love so much about your social media presence is you go from talking about really important kind of like underappreciated issues in the Middle East specifically to like making a self-deprecating TikTok about like your nose or something. I just love it because you just like throw it out there and it's all there. But talk to me about your process and what you decide to put online and, and how. 
Well, that's the thing. I have no process. There is no, I mean, I'll go like a month and a half without posting on TikTok and then something will irk me enough to like, I'll be on the app and I'll want to post. Unfortunately, I, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to it. One post on my Instagram can be about women's rights in Iran. And then the next one, like you said, is a self-deprecating joke about my nose. So I feel like some would say I should probably hire a social media manager, but I seem to be failing upwards. I was going to say, I think the whole thing is that it feels so genuine. Like I do feel, even when you came in today, I was like, I feel like I know her so well, just because I'm a fan basically. And it's so nice to have that connection. And I think your following on TikTok is like 40% women. Yeah. That's been the most incredible thing. But I could also say the same about you. And I feel like that could be attributed to the fact that you're very raw about your opinions and you're like your heart stances on things. And anytime you're exposed to someone's opinions to that extent and that depth, you feel like you know them. Like I feel like I know intimate things about you that I don't know about the person operating the camera or the microphones yeah. or the producers because I, I don't know where they stand on these things. So you have invited this entire generation and world of people into you just by thank you sharing That's your so opinion sweet. oh my god I really appreciate it but we're here to talk about you I mean <laughs> listen I want it to be a conversation but I think one of the things that I admire so much about your social media presence and just how willing you are to put yourself out there is because like your relationship to the internet has been complicated we can talk about the beginnings of your career and how you were kind of like introduced to the public. Then your Instagram was deleted. There's been so little control. At one point, you had no control over what was out there of you on the internet. And now I feel I like- still, mm, Yeah. I don't have any control about what's being done with my image from 10 years ago, but mm, you knows, you ain't fucked me, you fucked the old body. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. No, we're, we're, we're past that. I feel like I am a completely different person and I feel like some, you said that you, you had only heard about me after Call Her Daddy mm -hmm. and I feel like around the time of Call Her Daddy was when I kind of came to terms with the fact that whoever they're looking at is not me. I don't look wow. the same. I don't think the same. I am not the same person. And I've been able to kind of separate myself from that. And doing so has given me my my individuality and my identity back to, to an extent. And it's made me comfortable enough to talk about things and to kind of be confident enough to move on and make a career doing things that I'm proud of and creating a life for myself. You took this really traumatizing experience you had and pivoted it and flipped it and made it so that you are at least benefiting from it and in control. And that's amazing to me. I want to hear about that story basically and how you got there because I think too frequently it's not that's not the case i think that women who go through what you went through in the early days of your career even just not career just like your early 20s are rough they are rough period anybody who's listening to this who's a young woman in their early 20s it gets better oh my god it gets so much better it gets so much better but you don't know that because i think there's such a glamorization around like being 20 and being young and being hot and whatever and so you're thinking like why am i so fucking miserable and feel so unsafe but can you talk about that yeah i kind of feel like it was the opposite for me though i always knew i was in the trenches when i was in my early 20s and i just couldn't wait to get older and and more settled and i i kind of always had the patience that everything that I really wanted out of my life would come with age. Mm. It would come with age and it would come with experiences and I knew I needed to fail. And you already had that perspective. Yeah. Even when you were kind of feeling stuck? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. wow. Absolutely. So you had faith. Yes, of in course. Yourself. Yeah, of course. I don't know. I, I'm not sure that I always did in my early 20s. I think I was kind of thinking like, I don't know how I'm going to 
figure out what the next step of my life oh, will be. Oh, no, I didn't know what the fucking right, next step was, right. but I knew what I wanted the end goal to be. I would be sitting there and, and as daunting as things would feel and as claustrophobic as I would feel in my emotions and in the space that I was in just mentally at that time. I was 21. Mm-hmm. I would always think like, okay, eventually I'm going to be married. I'm going to have a family. I'm going to drive a cute SUV. Eventually that's going to be my life. I don't know how the fuck I'm going to get there, but I don't think I've ever been bored in my life because I just go into these maladaptive daydreams and I I picture scenarios I want out of my life and mm. and things I want out of it and do you think that's I get lost in that a, a kind of separately than just also survival mechanism partly survival mechanism yeah. for a really long time but as I've gotten older I realize that I joke and say I failed upwards but I feel like I do fail upwards because I I just want things so badly and following my gut and my intuition about the decisions I should make to get there has has worked out for me the older I've gotten and the more mature I've gotten and the more I've been able to to weigh options when I'm faced with any decisions. Mm-hmm. And when you were 20 though, and like in this really specific industry and world, did it feel like at that time when you were having these daydreams, were you like, this is going to be a step to get me there? Or were you like, this is a, this is a failure, but, or how did you think of it? I was really insecure. I was looking for validation in in the worst places. And I think that what got me through that was just really knowing the entire time deep down that it wasn't making me happy. And I was making these decisions not for me. And it wasn't every time, every time I would say yes and shoot another video or make a decision to shoot something for for the social media, I knew that the reason I was doing it wasn't pure and wasn't genuine and didn't align with my core values. And that caused a lot of guilt and shame on me internally, even while I was doing it to the point where when I kind of woke up from that daze, I just felt like, what the fuck was I doing? I feel like I was, I feel like it happened in such a blur that I didn't have time to like process it. I think that time when I felt like the world was closing in on me was kind of after I left the industry and I was left with my mess and, and that mess being my reputation and my name and my image and everything that had to do with that. And that's when I sat there and was like, oh my God, this is so terrifying. But Because you wanted to rebuild a separate life. Yeah. Yeah. And you had this image that you didn't have control over. Yeah. I really tried to like shove it under the carpet and hide it and stifle it for the longest time. When I was in it, I wasn't thinking, oh, how can I parlay this into a better career or like a public image? For about two years, I laid really low. I dyed my hair. I cut my hair off. I lived a normal life in Miami. I kept my Instagram open for a short time just because it was the very few sources of income that I was getting. Keeping a link in my bio was one of the only paychecks I was getting. Once that went away, that was when I started to panic. And after my Instagram had gotten delete hacked and then deleted i decided to move to austin and start a career on the internet and how old were you when that happened like what when did you quit and then when did what were those two years how old were you it was in between 2000 like the end of 2014 and january february of 2015 and i was 21 Wow. And you were trying to rebuild something completely separate and realizing that you basically couldn't right yeah around 20 23 24 is when i was like I'm already too recognizable, even only having been on the internet, like Instagram, for about a year at that point, I couldn't have a normal life. 
And I had to accept that. And that's when I was like, okay, how can I parlay this shit situation that I I can say I gave it like the old college try. I tried to get a job at two different corporate type offices. Mm-hmm. Did not work. I just up and moved to Austin. All by yourself. Fully back on social media. Yeah. Wow. I've heard you talk about shame before. And I am so interested in shame. And it's I think my understanding of shame, it was so different when I just heard that word and it was kind of passed around and then going to therapy and actually thinking about shame and what it actually looks like and what it feels like. How did you conquer your shame? Because I imagine that that must have been one of your first steps. I mean, obviously you had tried something and been like, okay, this isn't going to work. I need to kind of accept the reality of this. But I'm assuming also you had to do some work starting kind of at that point to get over the shame that you had and just the self-blame and all of that. How did you do that? Thank you for asking that. It was after I moved to Austin, after living there for about six months, I decided to go to therapy. And going to therapy for the first time kind of just opened my eyes to the world of therapy and how there's so many different kinds. So I started with a therapist in Austin and we targeted that everything led back to my to my shame. And it was really hard to come face to face with that because it, me- it meant coming face to face with the person that I was and coming face to face with those decisions and kind of just acknowledging the fact that I forgive you, we're gonna get yes. past this. We have gotten past this. I feel like I still have to talk to myself like that because I feel like I'm, I still have to defend myself in a lot of relationships that I have in my life, not just not just with partners, but I find myself continuously trying to prove something that I shouldn't even be proving. And that's that's been a very telling sign of the type of people I should keep around me. And what about with your relationship with yourself? Do you have to continue to kind of check in with yourself? Yeah. And like, yeah. yeah. And how often do you do that? I mean, I'm I'm asking because I want it. I want to know. You so know? many times a day. Yeah. So many times a day, constantly. Anytime I'm triggered, anytime I'm reminded by it, anytime someone looks at me different or makes a comment, anytime I'm rejected for any type of deal because right. of my past, like, oh, sorry, too, mm-mm, mm-mm, can't touch that. I'm constantly coming face to face with it and and forgiving myself and just saying you don't, you're in your bitch era. I'm in my protecting my peace era. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. And you know what? I think they coincide. I do too. Mm -hmm. Bitch era to me is about boundaries a little bit. And that is also protecting your peace. 100%. And so when you have those conversations with yourself, do you like picture your younger self? And I've learned like that empathy that you have to have for yourself it used to repel me, it used to disgust me. I'd be like, I don't deserve that. I was stupid. I was whatever. And I'm so embarrassed. And to give yourself that grace feels icky. And that's the thing that I still kind of battle with. Even just little decisions that have not just from my early 20s, whatever, but in life in general where I'm like, I don't want to give myself that because it feels like I'm not protecting myself or something, which is so weird because it, it's only it's a shame spiral. Yeah. <laughs> and it yeah. freezes you up. Oh my God, that's exactly how I feel when I when I fall into that. It's I did EMDR therapy around like 2019. That's when I started it. And anytime I feel ashamed, I found that that is who I become. I become that that 14-year-old girl who was shamed for a plethora of other reasons that have nothing to do with whatever has triggered me into feeling ashamed right like right in this moment. And working in EMDR therapy and being able to pinpoint that and go back to that and and know that the reason I feel ashamed is because I feel like a rejected little girl mm. has really helped with 
being able to talk more softly to myself because it's really easy to say, you were a fucking slut. You were dumb. How could you do any of the things that you did when you were 21? But I would never talk to a friend of mine who's my yeah. age who's telling me stories about what she did when she was – I would never talk to someone like that. I would never think of anyone like that. So why am I not giving myself that same that same grace that, that makes us feel icky and feel like we're not deserving of? Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. I really want to talk about your relationship to your body because I wrote a book called My Body. I'm fascinated with so many elements of our physical selves and how trauma shows up, but also like as a woman and in the world being perceived and the the way that we come into our bodies, you've had such a journey with your body. And I love how open you are about that journey because I do think it's it's not just physical, it's like spiritual. So you, when you moved to, you were a kid, you, I, you've described yourself as like not feeling attractive. I was so overweight. Okay. I was really overweight. And I didn't lose the weight until I was like 19, 20. Okay. So very close to the time that that I started making a lot of self-destructive decisions. Um, when I first started getting attention, it was the first time I had gotten attention in my entire life. Wow. And I felt like all of my happiness and all of my, my confidence and validation depended on me looking good. That was really, really scary. That was and a really scary attention. time. That's whose attention I was chasing. I mean, of course. If I mean, I think every young woman can relate to that, but especially if you felt like you hadn't had it and then all of a sudden you had it. Yeah. So you lost the weight mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you have this new body and you're like, I mean, 19 for me, I just remember being like, holy shit, I'm like a woman now. Like I'm not a 30-year-old man can be my boyfriend. Like no question. There's no like legal whatever. Oh, I was married and in a really, really toxic, fucked up power dynamic situation. It was like... For, like it was so soon after my 18th birthday, it was no. extremely questionable looking back on it. How old, much older was your first husband? Seven, eight years. Ugh, and you were a child. Seven, Literally eight years when child. you're 18 is a oh really big deal. Oh, and I didn't meet him the day we got married. Like it was very, very toxic cycle that I went down for longer than I should have. It was, it was, I mean, it was like a vines on a tree. Yeah. 
Isn't it crazy now when you meet a 17-year-old or 18-year-old and you're like, I could never even register you as sexual or attractive in that way because you're a child. And so when you think about and you wonder, you know, there's a voice in the back of my head all the time when I think about men I know who date younger women, whatever, where I'm like, oh, yeah, she mature for her age, whatever. And then I'm like, wait, (laughs) what? And then you meet a 17-year-old guy, a 17-year-old girl, and you're like, this is a This is a baby. This is a baby. And they're pretending to be adults. Yeah, they're cosplaying. Any guy who goes after a girl significantly younger than them is severely lacking in their life. And I mean that confidence-wise. I mean, like, they are falling short in so many places that that is the only place they can turn to to feel like they they have something on the scale of power. And it's, I mean, ultimately it's predatory. I mean, there's just no way to kind of, because you're manipulating someone who is not aware of what they're giving you. Yeah. And it's unfair. So when did you get out of that relationship and what was that like? Around the same time that I left the industry. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. I I, I mean, I saw a core, the common denominator. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, that's, you, you said just now a few seconds ago, you were like, oh, I was in it longer than I should have. But I mean, some people spend 10 years. (laughs) They spend their whole twenties with somebody and they don't, find a way out until they're basically like, holy shit, I look different in the world. I'm a woman now and this man perceives me differently and like I'm realizing things about this dynamic. What was it that made you go like, I deserve better, I want more? It was, it wasn't even, I deserve better, I want more. It was, it was truly just, you don't have my best interest at heart. And also I deeply and morally and fundamentally disagree. Mm-hmm legally yeah also uh, if if we're if we're getting nitpicky right like ethically ethically yeah with them as a person just yeah full stop in general one of my favorite things about you and you know you jokingly i was like we made a tiktok before this and i was like so tell me your secrets like i want to know how you do it you're so good at making them they're always funny they always feel like low pressure too it just feels like you you're like telling a joke and whatever, or, you know, making a statement, but it's just very like clear and it's just you. And I was like, what's your inspiration? You were like, trauma. I am the most active on TikTok when I am the most depressed. Interesting. Yeah. Because it's an outlet. Yeah. When I was like, like deep in my Lexapro mm. prescription. Oh my God. that That's why I have so many fucking followers. That's what you need. A Lexapro prescription. So what you're telling me is trauma depression trauma depression <laughs> then you turn it into something so funny yeah but i do I, yeah that's how i lead my life on a daily basis though you i have to you're so resilient thank you i don't want to be resilient i want to be a soft little baby and i want to be coddled and i want to be i want i want to feel safe enough to be yeah. so utterly vulnerable that i that I feel confident going to the airport and not checking if I have my passport with me. Like I want to be babied. No, I don't want to be fucking resilient. Being resilient implies that there's something you have to like get past yes. and deal with. Yeah, but you have. So, but I'm I'm hoping for you that you find what was it your peace peacekeeping or protecting, protecting my your peace, peace era. era. I yeah. hope that that brings you like we no longer yeah, have right to now talk about resilience. I love that. Boring is yeah. beautiful. Yeah, boring is the goal. I love when things that were functioning as a survival tactic turn into something that's really powerful and beautiful, which I think you've done. Which, Thank you. That's some witch shit. 
Some like beautiful witch shit. I love a witch. I am a little witchy. Yeah, I try. I try. Tell I me try. about your witchiness. I I'm dabbling in it. I'm I'm learning the crystals. I'm learning oh, the shit. I'm learning the incense. I'm learning the oh, you mean like traditional witch? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to your relationship to your body. So, as a kid, you come into this moment, but like, how do you feel in your body day to day? What is it like to be in your body? Every day is an uphill battle. I fluctuate like 40 pounds a year. Wow. I re- I, I'll go hard working out. It really depends on my schedule, what I'm doing. If I'm depressed, like I don't, I really give myself a lot of slack and I don't beat myself up. I know that when I'm at my, like what I think is my heaviest at the mm-hmm. time, I'm going to, I'm going to refine that motivation. I'm going to get back to it. I, I've never let myself get to like an unhealthy point, but I do fluctuate enough with my weight to where I struggle with my body. Yeah, I mean, I remember hearing you talk about it before and saying like, I lost weight in the most unhealthy way. So like having an eating disorder, but then also your body being such a part of your work. I mean, like that must be really complicated because it's not just about loving yourself, you know, hopefully having a healthy relationship to sex and whatever. It's also like your, it's a commodity, yeah. right? Because yeah. even I think a lot of your livelihood is OnlyFans yeah. and, and Instagram and whatever. And that means like posting bikini pics and all of that. Like, what is that like? I went through a phase where I was like a little bit, I, you know, I, I let myself go just like a little bit more than, than I usually would. And that was when I was traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. And Honestly, it, it's wearing things that make me feel sexy and make me feel comfortable. That's mm-hmm. what I've kind of found is how I get through that that dysmorphia and yeah. and not giving myself a hard time. I stop trying to wear the clothes that I wear when I'm working out twice a day. And right. I'm in that three months where I'm just like, I have all the time in the world. I'm not traveling. I'm not doing anything. I'm concentrating on that. I have like two separate wardrobes for like my winter really? coat is what I call when I... <laughs> Oh I put God. on my winter coat every year and then my, yeah. I think trauma lives in the body. That's been my experience. I actually go the other way when I'm really unwell. I lose so much weight. I was down to 100 pounds recently and it was really, really scary. And now I've gained weight. And it's like, for me, it's a huge game changer and it's how I know I'm happy. Another thing I love that you talk about really openly is like surgery and plastic surgery and your nose job and like your boob jobs. Shout and like Dr. Dugar. We love that. Um, (laughs) Shout out to him, but also shout out to you for being so open about that. Literally just living in fear of someone making an an exposing video of me. Like, "Mm, here's a side-by-side comparison. This bitch got a nose job. I see those videos and I'm like, what are you doing? You have so many young, impressionable fans. Like, cut that shit out. Grow the fuck up. Like, who the fuck cares? Flex the fact that you can afford to go to these places. Like, if you're going to flex a chain or like flex a new bag, flex the fact that you have a $5,000 laser. And it is not from drinking eight glasses of water a day. It is not from olive oil. It is not from your little skincare that you got from Sephora. Stop fucking lying and tag the doctor. They have a family too. Well, it's funny. We I just did a solo episode where I am talked about the question was like, can you be feminist and get plastic surgery? Which is a dumb question, obviously, but it was to lure people in to oh, get yeah, them to listen. Okay. And what I was talked about on the episode is like, has there's this weird line where women are like, I would only do this. I would only shave my legs. I would only wear mascara. I wouldn't even contour. And like how it's so subjective and how we haven't really caught up. I actually think TikTok has helped with nose job check and just the way people talk about plastic surgery. But I also think you are somebody who women look at and think like, God, that's a desirable body. And to be And I'll so- tell you where you can get it. Yes. <laughs> 
But also to be so open about the journey you have with your body all the time that it isn't just like every day you're like, that's right. I got my titties and I'm perfect. And like, I feel hot. You're like, fuck, I hate myself today. No. When I wake up and I'm like, fuck, I hate myself today. I'm also like, but fuck, the people around me fucking love me. And I take really good care of everyone in my life. And I make great decisions. And I'm fucking smart. And people lean on me as an advisor. And I have so many other places that I feel fulfilled that I am so happy to kind of just cut myself a break and let myself just live. Because you are a powerhouse. I mean, people say that, but it's true. You are kind of like the center of your world and you've done that yourself. Yeah. Okay. I have a question. I want to hear your thoughts on OnlyFans. Okay. What do you think about OnlyFans? I'm so... I'm so torn about it. I really wish that they would stop putting so much emphasis on the celebrity creators mm. and the and the people who didn't really build the platform. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of the things that they've changed that made the platform so desirable for the women who are trying to get out of the more traditional forms of sex work and do it in a safer way on OnlyFans in ways that they were in control and not a human being. Well. There are agencies, but like it's a little bit different. Um, yeah, when they changed all of those rules to kind of accommodate the people who were fine and getting mm-hmm. royalty checks, mm-hmm. and not, that's where my issue with OnlyFans comes in. But I should not be biting the hand that literally feeds me because it's also the place where I found a lot more of my bodily autonomy. I was able to take that back. My OnlyFans is has always been non-nude. It's very mm-hmm. it's very suggestive. It's mm-hmm. anything that I post on OnlyFans, I feel like can be posted on Instagram and be completely fine. If I'm topless, I'm in pasties. I have I am doing it my way and in a way that I feel comfortable and it is great. It is really good to be able to to have that for myself and be able to take that back and be able to share images of me who I am now, not the child that is being circulated on the internet that I wish I could just like put back away in that box where she belonged. Mm -hmm. It feels really fucking good to be able to do whatever I'm comfortable with on a site that that lets me connect with people. And be compensated for it. And be fucking compensated for it. Period. Yeah. That's the thing that I do think is really interesting about OnlyFans is the fact that it does allow for that kind of control which is so often not true with sex work. Yeah. How do you feel about sex work? Like, what do you want to see legally happen around sex work? I feel like the age should be raised for a production company to own your rights to 21 at least. If you want to if you want to enter the sex work industry, by all means do it after 18. That's that's the legal age. That's mm-hmm. never going to be fought. You have to be real you have to be really realistic about the safety and ethics around sex work because it is the oldest profession in the entire world. The oldest profession. It's never going away. And Mm. the more you tighten restrictions on it, the more people will find ways around it. And that could be said for, for anything. The prohibition era exists for a reason. Well, then who suffers from those restrictions are the people who are working in the sex industry. I feel very strongly about legalizing sex work and creating more safe environments and protections for women who work in sex work. You were also a cam girl, right? At one time. So you've like, you've seen it. Yeah. (laughs) You've seen it and you've found a way to control it. But I'm sure you've also seen so, I mean, I know that you have seen so many people take advantage and particularly men, obviously, yeah. capitalizing off of your body and your image. 
Yes. But I also feel like in that same breath, and I feel like a lot of women who are who are a lot more just not embedded, but they've just been in the sex work industry for a lot longer than me. They don't like hearing the fact that I have been in it because my experience in it has been completely different right. than anyone else's experience in it. And I kind of hate to say this, but again, I like I, I failed upwards. When I was a cam girl, it was very much like out of desperation when I left those those corporate settings and moved to Austin and needed to make a living while I was building a presence online. So I did camming, but I was like charging $12 a minute to right. literally do nothing. Right. Like because they just wanted to see you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. feel some it kind of connection. The, the, you didn't the have the to work is, in the same. Yeah. 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 Stay tuned for more High Low with M. Radden. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. Another thing that I really like that you've talked about before is just like being very careful and educating yourself around legal situations. Basically yeah. like low-key getting a law degree, asking questions, you have to. figuring out. Yeah, yeah, I've experienced that. And I think it's something I wanted to talk about on the podcast just for young women who are listening not just contracts, but kind of just understanding your rights yeah. and your protections. Never sign anything with the words in perpetuity on them, mm. ever, ever. That is my biggest takeaway. That's my biggest piece of advice. Always have your own lawyer look over a contract. Never think that someone else is who's putting a piece you. of paper in front of you has your best interest at heart, ever, ever, never. They don't. Yeah. Well, and if a, a man <laughs> puts a contract in front of you, even if you love him, even if you're romantically involved with oh him. Oh, my God. Which, by the way, both divorcees. <laughs> both divorcees. Yes. Wow. Look at us. Look at us. Rebranding a divorcee. How old are you? I'm, I'll be 30 in a couple oh months. Oh, my God. Happy birthday. Wow. You. So you really are coming into your new era. Yeah. I, I'm 31 and I am loving my I'm 30s. I'm so fucking excited to turn 30. It's nice, man. Yeah. I'm all about it. I think your 20s are trash. I think about all I've the- I've always known this. I've yeah. always thought this. I've always felt this way because I have never, even when I was a teenager, I've never looked up to a woman who was in her 20s. All of the women I looked up to were established in their career, had a family, were well into their 30s. I'm I, so excited. No, it's great. I wanted to ask you about your relationship to men and sex now. Coming close to 30 years old, you are single or you're out of your last rela serious relationship? I'm single. Okay. Yeah. Same. I know. 
<laughs> have you you I feel like you've had a lot of relationships back to back. I was a serial monogamist. Yes, I have been yeah. a serial monogamist. I've I've been in three three and a half very serious relationships. For me, it was a way of protecting myself in my 20s, even though I was totally underprotected in those relationships and they weren't great. Yeah. That was just what felt the right thing to do so that I could feel safe in the world. Exactly. I completely sympathize with that. I've always been the one protecting myself and I'm realizing that I should not feel like I'm protecting myself against my life partner or oh my defending God. myself against them or anything. I want to feel like I'm on the same team as someone and I will settle for nothing less. Good. Isn't that an amazing thing to realize that you don't need someone? Entering your 30s truly makes you feel like I don't need anyone. I'm so happy giving myself everything that I want. Yeah. Anything else that I actually love and have like a real relationship with somebody that's equitable and respectful in a way that's so different than when you need, you feel like you need someone. Yeah. Okay. What about sex? Oh my God. I have never been more confident in myself than than the age I'm at now. More confident in what I want, more confident to ask for what I want, more confident to say when I don't like something. I felt myself slipping into into these old kind of tendencies of placating my partner and I realized that when I was doing that it was it was the wrong relationship and being able to pinpoint that and realize it and tell myself, no, I don't want that. I want someone who also understands that that there is a difference between implied pressure and overt pressure. You know what I mean? Like I want a partner who is also emotionally mature enough to understand that there's going to be lapses in our relationship if it's going to be lifelong where yeah, that's course. just- Wow, I love what you just said about implied pressure because I do think that so many men are like, well, I'm not that kind of guy. Like I would never, whatever, without thinking about the power dynamics and the larger things that are circulating your relationship or your sex life, even if you love each other, even if it's yeah. safe. And especially I think in the bedroom, that can be an issue. Absolutely. And a lot of men aren't aware of it. I think that what it comes down to is social awareness and empathy. You need to be able to read the fucking room with your if it's just you and your partner in there read the fucking room consider your partner yeah and consider them as a as a woman yeah. and like what their experience has been and especially for you as somebody who has a complicated relationship to sex in your body i mean yeah i think you do absolutely i do and choosing a partner just becomes that much harder because i can see it from a mile away when someone's intentions aren't are a little off i can i can feel the vibes from a mile away and i will go just nowhere near that little red yeah. flag and you're like oh yeah. i know what you're doing yeah, i can exactly. and you know that that in a six months is going to be it's going to be a giant red flag oh my God. you're not going to see anything else it's going to be a parade of red flags yeah because they're on their best behavior in the beginning yeah so just be just having having to narrow down this listen the pickings are slim the but when are slim I know, girl i know it's really tough it's really tough out there and then you got a battle against emrata <laughs> oh my God, shut up. No, stop it. My friend went to a beautiful wedding last weekend. It was in New Orleans. It was an Indian wedding. They played that So In Love, the Beyonce song, like oh. as she threw rice out the fucking balcony. And I was so emotional. I like put on the song. And when I was showering, because my friend came over like from the trip and was showing me everything. And I had this thought where I was like, I'm so sad right now because as much as I want a beautiful wedding like that, I don't know that I'm going to find the partner who would make me want that. And we were talking about this when you first came in and you're like, listen, getting divorced many times, like it's just what that's where it's at. You oh, know, I don't I don't bat an eyelash. No, no, mm -hmm. I won't draw shit out. 
Yeah. But I have to say, I think there's something really beautiful about having faith in love and in relationships. And that's something that you you have still. So even if we are in our protecting our peace bitch era moments, I still kind of hope that I do find someone who at least meets the mark in enough ways that I'm like, oh, you're adding something to my life. You're additive. You're not taking away. You're not exhausting me more. You're bringing me joy. You're making my life more joyful in the way that my friends do. Yeah. Oh my God, that's exactly it. That's the main thing. I I won't make any compromises in my romantic relationships that I wouldn't make in a friendship. I have a very small group of friends and it's like that for a reason. It's because I won't compromise on what, not what I want out of a friend, but what I want is what I provide. I feel yeah. like it's a very yin-yang energy exchange. And Romantic relationships that suck the energy out of you just leave you completely drained. And those are the relationships that make you a bad friend, yeah. a bad daughter, sister, father, whatever. You need to find someone who who adds to your life in the same way that you that you want your friends around you for. Yeah, it's strange how we don't always have that standard with romantic relationships. No, no. and it's because we enter a lot of romantic relationships. Well, at least I do. I'm speaking for myself here. I enter a lot of romantic relationships thinking, I feel like I can bring so much to your life. I know that I can. I want to nurture and mother and help them just because I see, like if I see a mess, I'm going to try and clean. <laughs> I do not. I don't I mean it like it. that. No, but no, like, I If love it's socks it. on the floor and I'm walking by it, I'm going to pick it up and put it in the hamper. Like if I- I'm dead. <laughs> I'm so dead. I'm so dead. This is the most amazing analogy I've ever heard. For getting into a relationship, you're like, if I see a mess, I clean it up. Oh I'm like, God. no, no, not that. I just mean, I feel like I have a lot to offer and I want to offer that. I want to put it all on the table and build something with someone. I get it. I do get it. <laughs> Although I, what was the your tweet that went like the most viral any tweet has ever gotten? You're like, if you've sucked on my titties, doesn't make you my mother. Or I don't, Just because you sucked on my titties does not make me your mama. I'm not here to mother you. Round of applause. <laughs> Round of applause. Yeah, I got in so much trouble because um, on the podcast, I talked about how there are three types of men. There are babies, monsters, and baby monsters. And so many people were like, she just hates men now, like post, you know, divorce. And I'm like, first of all, read my book because I've been feeling this way about men. <laughs> Truly, like check in. Second of all, I don't know. I'd love to meet some men who don't expect to be either coddled or to dominate. I have met so many men who don't expect to be coddled and don't don't want to be dominated. I feel I feel like those men. I kind of just I'm not. I maybe I'm not in in the right place in my life for them because they tend to be a little bit older and a little bit more sure of themselves. Yeah. And it takes men a lot longer to mature and it to does. grow than it does women. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say most men that I've met that are like that are just slight, slightly older and and look back at at themselves when they were when they were at a different age and think I was a dumb fuck mm-hmm. the same way I look back at well, myself. We're kind of coming towards the end of our time. I wanted to ask you what's next for you. Like we talked a little bit about you, your vision for the future. What what does it look like? Oh, I'm launching a body jewelry line. Amazing. That I've been working on for like three years, and it's my fucking baby. It's my entire life. I'm so proud of it. I'm so excited for it. And I've been spending a lot of my time in Europe just with my creative team launching that. So what I see for my life is starting to to veer away from these things that require me relying on my body. I want to build something 
tangible and go into an office. And this is this is just like scene setting in my head for my maladaptive daydreams. Like I want to go into an office. I want to not necessarily drive a certain type of car, but I just see myself getting out of a car holding a bag of a certain weight because it has a certain amount of document. Like Mm -hmm. these are the things that I like I get down to the nitty gritty details. I have to say you've already done that more than you think though. I mean, because I watched you on the BBC. I've watched, I mean, just here today, like you are so smart and you have so much to share with the world. You're already using your mind and not using your body just by even talking about the things we talked about today. That stuff is so important and you have the platform and God knows you failed. I mean, you say failed upwards. You climbed. <laughs> you climbed. It was a fucking tumble. I fell down the stairs a couple times. Going back to camming what did feel like three steps backwards when I was taking a couple steps forward. So there have been a lot of things that I've kind of ebbed and flowed with my boundaries, but have stuck to my core boundaries since since I left the industry. And I feel like most people who are who are on the inside of the industry, their echoes were, oh, she'll be back. And oh. no, the fuck <gasps> she will not. Oh my God, I love that so, nothing is sweeter than revenge, let me oh tell you. God. And just proving people Disappearing wrong. is the best revenge. Yeah. Disappearing. Well, also just people subverting expectations and people thinking that they know something about you and about the world that you actually can prove them wrong. And when you're a young woman, it's especially hard to feel confident in that. When you hear somebody say, no, you're going to do this thing, you're like, maybe I will. You don't tell an Aquarius that they're going to do something. They Are will. Are you an Aquarius? Yeah. When's your birthday? February 10th. Okay. I'm a Gemini, so we're a Quimini. That's why I like you so much. Yeah. The, the, air, the air signs. I just got into astrology. Me too. Really? Me too. A lot. Yeah. Same time okay. as, my, as my witchiness. I've okay. been reading so many books. Z-Way actually got me into astrology when my son was born because she's a Pisces and he's a Pisces. And she was like, do you want to know some things about your baby? And I was like, obviously, <gasps> I want to know some things have about you, my have baby. Have you put his his time and everything yeah, into I've the chart? Yeah, I've done the whole chart. See- and it's pretty be- – I mean, I'm obsessed with him, obviously. But um, And I also even like – you know that app, The Pattern? You normally yes. do like romantic things. Yeah. I have him. No, of course, as you should. Well, thank you so much for being here. I could talk to you forever. I hope you come back on the podcast when your it's an open invitation whenever you want. Thank you. I get a new personality every like twelve to eighteen months, so I'll schedule. And really, what's my new round of therapy? I know when I was talking (laughs) to you and I was like, oh, I listened to this interview and whatever. You were like, oh, I don't know who that person was. That was two divorces ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's chic, honestly. She's evolving. She's, She's shedding skin. constantly skins. evolving. Ex- that's yeah. exactly what it is. That's exactly that, what again, it is. Again, I do think you're a witch. I think you're a very powerful witch. You're doing great. I mean that as a compliment. I do have a shrine to Giselle in my house, so. <laughs> that is she our queen is witch doing right well. Now. Oh, my God. She's my queen witch. <laughs> I'm so happy to be alive in this moment. Me too. And be divorcee in this moment. I'm like, my God. Wow. The, the girls are leaving those marriages. The funniest thing I have seen come out of this was someone referred to Giselle fucking Bunchen as a 40-year-old divorcee in an article. That was the lead. That was how they described her. And it's like, oh, my fuck. Yeah. yeah. If that's a 40-year-old divorcee I cannot fucking wait to get to 40 same. and be on my fifth divorce same well she's redefining what 40 year old divorcee Hell means yeah. so just like we're redefining 30 yes well thank you so much for being here thank you Emily thank you so much to Mia Khalifa for coming in to the studio and having that conversation with me I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I do I find her to be so strong and so smart and also funny 
Really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on a lot of the things we touched on today. We talked about OnlyFans. Not this week, but I think next week I'm going to be doing an episode on OnlyFans and the relationship that sex workers and people who use the app have to the platform, what they like about it, what they don't. If you are somebody who uses OnlyFans, if it's a way you make a living or a side hustle, whatever, I'd love to hear from you. Go to hilo.fm, submit a voice note or a message, and we will use it in the episode Emrata Asks next week. Thank you so much for listening. High Low with Emrata is a Sony Music Entertainment, Bitch Era Media, and Something Else production produced by Chelsea Jacobson. Our executive producers are me, Emily Radikowski, and Sarita Wesley. Our senior producer is Medina Parwana, and our associate producer is Rachel Choder. Today's episode was engineered by Samantha Gatsik with original music by The Crystal Pharaoh. Thanks for listening. <laughs>